Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. I'm your host Connor Bromley. I'm joined today by Mark Jones and of course we're going to start this podcast talking about possibly the most boring Liverpool-Manchester United game I've seen. I was trying to think yesterday as I was watching it, if I can recall being, even seeing a nil-nil draw between these two teams. I probably should have researched that before it came on air, but I can't remember off the top of my head seeing a nil-nil draw between these two teams. So Mark, what was your reflection of the game? And I suppose the starting point is, was it a fair result? Um, There were a few nil-nils back in the Mourinho days, I think, and it, and it, it sort of reminded me a bit of that to be honest I mean I don't think Man United will have ever had more of a sort of free pass to to, to Anfield and play in the manner that they did because everyone just wanted to see you know all their fans just wanted to see a reaction to, to what happened last season and that's entirely right um, so it was obvious they were going to play in that certain way and I think I thought Liverpool started the game pretty well the first sort of 10 10 15 minutes I thought you know the crowd were up and and it and it did it did look like um, they were going to run away with it at one point. I think they had well, counting at one point there was tw- uh, six corners in the first twenty minutes, and you know they were they were all over them. Uh, they just couldn't they couldn't quite fashion the sort of the best chances. And then the longer that went on, the more and more they just seemed to lose sight of that. I thought they were they were disappointed in the way they attacked the game. Um, they've had a lot of shots. I think it was thirty. Was it thirty-four shots to Man United six? But I mean, of those thirty-four, can you remember that many saves and how I had to make? Not really. You know, not not sort of great saves. So, I mean, on the one hand, you know, if you talk about it, it being a fair result. There was only one team that was attacking in that game. I think all those all the comments about the stuff that's come out afterwards with Van Dijk and everything like that. It's fairly obvious that's true. But that's got that's nothing against Man United. That's absolutely nothing against them because. They turned up with a game plan, a desire to to you know make up for what happened nine months ago, and for them, you know, from the, the moment the game kicked off at nil nil, that was a win for them, wasn't it? So you know, and and they they deserved it. Yeah, they they, they defended really well. I thought all the defenders were great. Um, you know, especially look at someone like Johnny Evans, who's been you know, written off almost as a bit of a joke signing, hasn't he? But he was superb. The fullbacks were great. So you know, they they defended very well, and um, they uh, they got what they came for. See, for me, I, I thought that Man United had a 
I mean, a perfect away performance in the sense that they actually had the best chances in the game. You know, I think they had a, a couple on the counter where you're like, oh, they've they barely, you know, sort of scored there. And I found it really strange seeing Klopp and Virgil van Dijk's comments because we all knew that Man United, I think, were going to set up in this way. I mean, it seemed pretty obvious because of what happened last season, but also because of recent Manchester United form that Manchester United were not going to come and try and go toe-to-toe with Liverpool in the sense of trying to play it around and do, you know, really good attacking football. I mean, that that obviously wasn't going to happen. So I, I was a little bit sort of taken aback by the fact that both Van Dijk and Klopp made them comments because for me, they should have been preparing and training I say all week, but actually the, the other game on Thursday, preparing and training on Friday and Saturday to play against a team that was going to be in a low block that was going to try and stifle the game and come for a nil-nil draw. And I think, you know, they have to look at themselves and say, well, did we do enough to to score a goal in that game? And yes, we're going to point to 34 shots, but as you said, the majority of those shots were outside the box. I mean, a lot of them were, I would just say stupid. You know, there, there were times where they were, they were in an attack and move and somebody would just shoot from 25 yards and it would go over or get blocked. You know, it, to me, it felt like Liverpool didn't come prepared for a game plan for something that I think most felt was obvious in the sense of how Manchester United were going to play. They were always going to play in the way that they did yesterday. Yeah, yeah, tends to agree. Yeah, I think what, um, what Klopp and Van Dijk said, I think it's just, it's... It's frustration. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying what they said because there's a there's a lot of truth to it in the sense that you know that is that is essentially how the game was. It was one team was trying to attack and one was trying to defend, and there's different ways to play football matches, you know. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with setting up. I mean, Liverpool would have done it in in, in other games, you know, in uh, perhaps not so much on the clock, but certainly back in the day, Liverpool used to used to do that to a lot of teams where they play very defensive football. It's just it's just football. It's the nature of it. Uh, Eric Ten Hag was desperate to to get a result, um, and yeah, the stuff about the you know the the way they attacked. I mean, Man United's chances were always going to be the types that they had. It was going to be counter attacks because Liverpool were going to be committing players forward. Liverpool's chances were always going to be the types that they had because it was it was a, a you know, trying to take on a sort of mass mass sort of defence, and they've not been good at. Uh, taken on those sorts of sides. Uh, certainly in recent weeks, it's, it's really dropped off. Um, I was looking for some songs there yesterday and I was writing a couple of pieces and there's only one, I think it's only one of the last nine um, Liverpool goals has been scored in the league has been scored by one of the forwards. Um, so, you know, and then you think about against Crystal Palace, they were didn't attack very well, got quite fortunate with a deflected goal from Salah and then Hartley Elliott scores it bit of a worldie at Sheffield United. They didn't play very well and just sort of like managed the game, got a goal from a set piece from Van Dijk, got a late goal from Subosley against Fulham. They scored four, but they were all from distance and there was no real sort of chances that were created. At Man City, they weren't really creating that many chances. So it's been a bit of an issue of late. And I look at, I was really disappointed in in, in Nunes yesterday, in Diaz, uh, Sly has dropped off uh, from the, the the way he started the season, and all of this, all of this is gonna is gonna sort of mount into a bit of frustration, and and especially when you consider all the build up to the game, you know, everyone talking about the seven nil, and and it was obvious that was never going to happen again. But I, I I wasn't surprised the game played out the way it did. But I, you'd expected Liverpool to nick a goal, didn't you? In the perhaps in the first half to make it easier for themselves, and when it didn't. The frustration grew, and the players made poor decisions, and and you saw possibly what this is, which is a Liverpool team that's 
in development at the moment and not necessarily the sort of final finished product they're trying to go for the lead title. We'll switch now to Manchester City's draw against Crystal Palace. I think uh, most of us, when we see Manchester City two 0 up at home against a well against anyone to be fair, but especially against a lower end Premier League team, we kind of just expect to see a final score of two, three, four nil, don't we? You know, it's not often that they even concede goals in that sort of position. But to see them drop points in that manner, you know, two a late goal, a late penalty, which was, you know, it was a penalty. It was a, a sign of, I don't know, fatigue, maybe a tiredness within that Manchester City team. It feels maybe like Man City are on the ropes at the minute. Is that fair? Or is this just a a minor blip and they've maybe not had the rub of the green in the last few weeks? Because I do look at, say, that Tottenham game. If they take chances, you know, they do win that game quite comfortably. And I think in the majority of games they've dropped points in, in this little run they've been on, they have largely been the better team that's struggled to put away their chances. But should we be concerned about them at the minute? Um, I think it's, it's they just seem to be lacking a bit of ruthlessness. And, um, you know, obviously Haaland, Haaland not being there is, a, is, is an issue with that. Kevin Bruyne not being there is an issue. Um my thing with them, I had it since the start of the season. I just think there's a lot of, you know, when you achieve what you did achieve. I know this is this was something that you heard mentioned on 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 TV recently, where uh, Alex and Neville and Carragher were going into it. And I think I think Guardiola had a pop back on, didn't he, about it, talking about you know the complacency that that might creep in after you achieve what they did achieve, which is the summit of the game. It, once you've done that, you know, can you can you sort of get up and go again? I know disrespect to Man City, but I, I think there's there's a lot of players there who almost feel as though, well, that's my job done here. And maybe, you know, maybe they might look, oh, I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind to go at, at Real Madrid or at Barcelona, or, you know, something to try and achieve something new. Um now that's that's quite harsh probably on Man City because they're, you know, obviously well run club behind the scenes and um the the money that, that, that the players make is is more than enough to to uh to you know, keep them looking elsewhere, but but I just think there's a drop off in in the way that they have been most of the season. To be honest, now the caveat to that is they almost certainly will at some point in say February March go on a ten game winning run, and and the question is then where are Arsenal at that point? Where are Liverpool at that point? Where are Aston Villa at that point? Um, so that's. That is all certainly in the post for those sides to consider. I just think with City, I could say there's a slight drop off, and it and it, it seems to me like they they aren't as willing to almost suffer when it gets hard. That makes sense. Like you know, when you when you two one up at home to a team like Palace who barely laid a glove on you all day, and you just need to see it out. Don't do anything daft. Concentrate, and they didn't do that, and they and they paid the price, and you've seen it. In, in more recent games this season, haven't you? The one, I mean, the, you mentioned the Spurs game and that was a game that, that kind of went to and fro and it was a sort of result that, you know, it wasn't too much of a surprise really, the sort of result that could happen to City. Same with Liverpool and they drew with Liverpool as well. The really concerning one for me was Villa. They got absolutely thrashed at Villa. I know it was only 1-0, but it was, was it 22 shots to two? You know, they, they, they didn't have a shot after the 11th minute, I think it was. That was the result that I'm sure Guardiola will be more concerned about because they just didn't look like themselves in that one. So um, 
yeah, it's a concerning time. Maybe going away to the Club World Cup now will will sort of break refocus minds a little bit, and and by the time they come back, they'll be able to look at the table and go right, okay, we're X points behind Arsenal, Liverpool. This is what we need to do to get back, and and maybe maybe that'll focus them a little bit. I think for me as well, the concerning thing about Man City at the minute is the home form. Now that you mentioned the Villa game there, and I think City over the years have kind of had that game in them, but we do occasionally see them away from home struggle in that kind of fixture against you know a good team. You know, I, I remember last season when they played Newcastle away. I think they drew three three in the end, but that kind of game where you know, they're on the ropes a little bit. But I think for me, it's the points they're dropping at home. You know, it's it's the, the one. Was it 23 straight home games? And I think they've drawn three and won one since. I think they beat Leipzig in the Champions League and then drawn the last three Premier League home games. I might have missed a Premier League home game in there, but I think that's the, the recent run they're on. That to me is the concerning thing because Man City generally do not drop points at home and generally wouldn't go three straight Premier League games without dropping a point in. What do you think is the the reason? You know, we, we talked about maybe complacency, but do you think it could be as simple as missing a player like Kevin De Bruyne who can create from nothing? Do you think Man City have really missed him this season? And maybe that's a bigger reason than the complacency that you mentioned, Carragher, Neville, even, you know, ourselves have even discussed it. Do you think that's maybe a bigger factor? Yeah, you're going to miss, you're going to miss a player like him. And when, you know, when, when teams have their big players missing, that then tells you a lot about the ones who are there, doesn't it? You know, like, because there are players who have made fantastic careers for themselves, largely, not not largely, but, you know, with, with, with the aid of playing alongside some great players. So you take those great players away and you're left with a collection of incredibly good players, but do they have the ability to make the difference? Do they have the the sort of cutting edge, you know, can Phil Foden kick on and be this player that we've all thought he could be for, for a few years now? Can Bernardo Silva make, he's a brilliant player, but can he be a bit more decisive in terms of assists and in terms of goals? Can Alvarez, we've seen, uh, you know, as a World Cup winner, um, can he be the, the man who can step up and support Haaland in the goals? Jack Grealish. All these players would probably all tell you that the best player they play with is Kevin De Bruyne. And all of a sudden he's not there and they've, they've got to look at themselves. I do think they have to look at themselves and I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's tough, obviously, as I say, it's tough to go again. A manager like Guardiola is so demanding. So you wonder if there's something there as well. Are they getting a little bit fed up of the same messages on the, on the training ground? Are they getting a bit, um, you know, almost going back to the word complacent? Um, I think the, the the De Bruyne factor is is probably the major factor why why they are sort of dropped off uh, as much as they as much as they have done. He's he's on the verge of going back, isn't he? So so it depends how he looks when he comes back. I mean, he's been quietly sort of injury prone, hasn't he, for the last sort of two three years? So you know, can he get back to the level that we know he can? If he does, then they're still. I mean they're still certainly in touching distance of, you know, to, to make a run for it in the new year. So, um, but yeah, I'd say that the Bruyne factor is the main one and it, and it kind of feeds into the other stuff really. 
okay, we'll, we'll switch from two title contenders who drop points to the two title contenders who picked up victories at the weekend. And I mentioned to you before we came on air that I actually forgot to include Aston Villa, such as their... How dare you? Um, yeah. I know, it's just their crazy rise. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start with Aston Villa. Um, 1-0 down at Brentford yesterday. A red card goes in their favour. It was a red card, but a red card goes in their favour. And then they show that ruthlessness a title winner needs to show, you know, they, they didn't play well in the game. They were struggling. They get a little bit of luck with the red card, but they capitalize on it. And that's the important thing. You know, they, they didn't settle for a draw. They didn't, you know, just pass it around aimlessly around the edge of the box, waiting for an opener and then eventually get beat. They, they were ruthless and managed to get two goals and win the game. And while the last two wins against Arsenal and Man City were obviously very, very impressive, in a lot of ways, I'm more impressed that they've backed it up with a win here because I think you often see teams pick up, especially the non-elite teams or not the teams we think of as being elite, getting a big result and then following it up with a poor performance and a defeat in the next game, the one that they thought they could win. It's so impressive that Villa have backed up them two wins they got last week with another win, yeah, away at one of the trickier grounds in the Premier League. Yeah, as as you say, it's, it's, it's the manner of the win. I mean... We've just seen it. We've seen it with when uh, Liverpool beat Crystal Palace, which in a very similar circumstance, red card coming back from 2-1. When they beat Fulham, 3-2 down, they won 4-3. When Arsenal beat Luton, 4-3 with the late goal from Declan Rice. When Arsenal have had some other late wins of late. What do, what do we do about, about those two clubs when those things happen? What do we say? We say it's title contenders, don't we? We say it shows they've got, they've got it in them. And that's partly because of the way we club we, we cover both of those clubs because you know people want to want to talk about about their chances and their their chance to sort of go it and 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 make a, a sort of title race of it this season. Aston Villa, I mean, yeah, you yeah, you say you forgot about them. Uh, their their achieve what 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 they're achieving at the moment is it stands alongside that as the table shows. So um, yeah, to have a result like that and to be one. I mean, I I saw like I say I was at. I was at Anfield yesterday, but I glanced at my phone and I saw they were 1-0 down and it was getting to 20 minutes to go, whatever it was. And uh, I thought, okay, that's that's a, that's a tester for them. And I probably thought, similar to what you did, about you know they're, they're backing up the... or they're not backing up the wins over um, over City and Arsenal by going to a tricky away game and, and struggling, which they did. Was it Forest? They lost that, I think, this season where they didn't look very good at all and you thought, okay, maybe the bubble's going to burst a little bit. Um but now to turn that round and get the win, uh, and on a, and on a weekend when when Liverpool and City have dropped points, um, it's huge for them. I, you, just, you just can't praise Emery enough, can you? You know, in terms of the type of manager he is, they they play in a way that's quite fearless. Like they're very, um, you know, they play with this high line, and, and they're so, you know, someone like John McGinn is perfect for it. You know, in terms of the way he tears around the pitch and gets his foot in. Ollie Watkins, you saw. Getting a winner and having a bit of a having a bit of a pop at um, a fan who was giving. I was having a go at him, and, and there's a spirit there. You know, there's a there's a spirit and there's a togetherness. And what we do in these situations is we almost make a joke of it and say, "Oh, title? Can they do this? Can they do that?" But what they're doing is they get themselves right in the top four mix. And I, I always think the best way to get top four is to try and win the league. You know, like for years you used to hear all these talks about, "Oh, who can get in the top four? Often conversations around the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham and maybe Liverpool before Klopp started, and I was like, just trying to win the league, <laughs> just just you know just just go for it, just just put the hammer down, and if you aim, aim to come first, you might come fourth. 
you know, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Certainly for Villa, it's incredible. So um, yeah, they're right in it for me. And um, and obviously, you know, if we have to do the question of can they win the league? Probably not. But but they can certainly come where they are now, third or fourth. I think an interesting comparison for Villa is Newcastle because I, I think I look at them two teams and think they're kind of on a, a similar trajectory at the minute. Both of them got in Europe last season. Obviously, Villa got uh, Conference League, whereas Newcastle got Champions League. But Villa also got the Thursday night games, which is harder, I think, than playing the Tuesday, Wednesday. And you look at them two teams this season and Villa have sort of taken Europe in their stride and have been able to maintain... I mean, they played on Thursday this past week and have still won at the weekend. They, they've been able to maintain their squad and maintain their form, whereas Newcastle, I think there's far more question marks over them. And do you think that comes to Unai Emery as a coach, You know his ability, because he's managed so many games in Europe, he knows how to get a team playing two games a week on the Thursday nights and winning at the weekend. And, and that's the thing that's so impressive for me because they've managed to do all this while also playing European football, which as football fans, we all know generally a team gets in the Europa League and you go, well, they'll not repeat it next season because they've got to play them Thursday night games. It's going to be a killer for the season when they go to the away games on the Sunday and they'll always struggle. But Villa have just taken it in their stride. They just don't seem to be bothered by playing them extra midweek games. And you know, Emery loves a Thursday, doesn't he? You know, he loves he, he loves a Thursday. He's 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 been there with Severe in the Europa League and he's he's been a big part of um of that sort of success story with them. Villarreal the other year as well when they got all the way to obviously final beat Arsenal in the savings, beat Man United in the final. Um he's he's just a manager who I imagine sort of his sort of coaching sort of setup he has for the week, he takes all this into account and he knows exactly what he wants from his players in terms of their output on a on let's say a Wednesday, how do they you know, how do they train going into that Thursday game? How do they recover on the Friday? How, what do they do on the Saturday? And 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 it'll have all these things um, mapped out, I'm sure. And and the thing with him is, as I say, he's just got he's got this way about him that I think just, he commands respect now. He that he didn't get uh, when he was at Arsenal, and and I still think he was treated quite unfairly when he was at Arsenal. I think. It was a strange time to obviously be the Arsenal manager following on from Benger, much in the same way that you saw with Moyes at Man United, wasn't it, following Ferguson? It was a difficult gig to take to follow, you know, the man that he was following. Um, and if you don't have instant success, which he didn't have, then people start pointing fingers. And I say he was treated quite quite poorly, I thought. Um, but now he's got a team that's playing in his image. And and as I say, they, they, they seem to have it all nailed down. Um, you know, in, in terms of they can put Europe to bed now for a few months. That's that's not going to come back until until the new year. So they can they can sort of focus on on where they are in the league, and um, and I think that'll that'll serve them in good stead. Uh, as we say about title chances or a top four finish, I mean they've also got as you say the Conference League. I mean I, they must be the strongest team in that. And if, even if even if all that emerges from this season is is if they win that, it, it's still fantastic for me. So. Um, yeah, it's, they're a club that are going places and uh, it'd be interesting to see what, what they do in the transfer window, actually, because, you know, they, they can probably attract the higher calibre of playing them. Okay, we, we still haven't talked about Arsenal yet. We're 22 minutes in here, but we'll talk about Arsenal now. Um, one of them games which 
Arsenal have struggled in. I don't actually know if Arsenal beaten Brighton in the Premier League in recent years. It always feels like a game that Brighton um, pick up a victory in, but they, they won 2-0, but they were very comfortable. And that was the, the main takeaway for me is not that they won. It was just that they won with such ease in a game that they've struggled in recent years. And they go top of the league as well because of, you know, uh, Liverpool dropping points. Obviously, Man City dropped points as well. Do you think we've, we really do have a proper title race this season with these four teams? Do you think they're going to be trading points and maybe we'll see a 85 to 90 point title winner rather than the usual in recent years, which has been, you know, like 95 plus and you just have to win every game and, and then eventually you'll yeah. win the title if you do that? Yeah, I think it will be that. Um, maybe... Maybe not eighty five, maybe about eighty eight, ninety, perhaps might might do it. Um, and Arsenal are, are bang in there. Um, I think they they they're at time. You know, they they they're a team that I think when it goes wrong, I've still got a concern about them in terms of discipline and things like that. And they they can they can get in their own heads a little bit sometimes. And that thing about as you say about the title going for sort of 95, 95 points, like the way that the way that City and Liverpool did it for a few years where they were where they were it was like blow for blow, you had to win every game. I think Arsenal had had that in their heads last season. That's what got to them. Um, you know, they basically convinced themselves, right, we have it's it's um, you know, we have to win every game. It is absolutely imperative that we win every game. Every drop point is a disaster. And that just in the end burned their heads out. And uh, they they in reality, they just weren't ready to be able to do that at that pace. Now, what they could do here is they could set the pace because there's a real chance now with Man City away for a few weeks. They've gone top at the weekend, Arsenal. They could open up a bit of a gap here. They've got, I mean, Liverpool against Arsenal next weekend on uh, next Saturday is looming large. And I think it's an enormous game. And I would say going into that, I would say Arsenal are the team that are more along the way, like more along in their sort of trajectory than Liverpool. I still think it's a start for Liverpool, but we know Liverpool do have the, do have the ability to, to turn it on and you would be surprised. In, I wouldn't be surprised at any result in that game um, next Saturday, to be honest. Uh, but I just think for Arsenal, this win is, it's, yeah, it's a good win. I mean, Brighton aren't, Brighton aren't really the side that we've seen in the last year or so. They seem to have dropped off a little bit. I don't know whether it's, I mean, it's injuries, like there are with a lot of teams, injuries have hit them. They obviously lost players. Um, they've sold players, and so you know it's it, it's looking a little bit, uh, just a little bit stale in terms of what Deserbi trying to do with them. Maybe he could do mix it up a little bit more. Um, but uh, with Arsenal, as I say, it's a good win. It's one that you'd expect them to win. I expect them to win that game. If they can win next Saturday, it's enormous, and it's and I I would go as far to say if they win that, then they're the, they're the favourites for the title. Jim, I was putting you on the spot right now. Two questions. The over-under, the over-under 90 points to win the Premier League. And the second one would be, who do you think is in the driving seat right now? If you had to pick somebody to win it, who, who would you go with? Um, I've started, I just, I think this weekend's flipped it towards Arsenal slightly. Um, I do, I think they, it, it's just, I'd say it's just in Arsenal's, you know, I'd put it, if you want to give it a percentage almost, it's kind of, I'd put there maybe about fifty percent now, and then perhaps City, are, City are on about forty, Liverpool about ten, something like that. Maybe maybe a little bit more for Liverpool, but um, and yeah, points wise, I think I think ninety is your one. I think ninety. Um, 
if you can get that, then then there's every chance that you that you've done enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think I just think Arsenal have got it. Um, I've got a bit more. They just look a bit more. It's it's the attacking that's doing it for me. The way they attack. Um, because say Liverpool have fallen off the cliff in my eyes, and the way they attack recently, and we've seen City's City's issues. So Arsenal look a little bit more clearer going forward. So um, I'd I'd have them at the minute, yeah, which I didn't have until a couple of weeks ago. Okay, well, we'll switch and just cover off some other Premier League stuff because I mean there is a lot happening in the Premier League. But Chelsea picked up a pretty standard. I mean, I say standard, but Chelsea don't win many games, so it's probably not a standard win for them, but a standard win in the sense of Chelsea play Sheffield United at home. You expect a Chelsea win. Nkunku back in the fold as well. Didn't get on on the weekend. I think Pochettino probably thought, well, we don't need him because we're, we're going to win this game. But how important do you think that was for Chelsea? And it, and it moves them, just looking at the Premier League table, it moves them into the top 10. They're on 22 points from 10 games in there, about six points away from the European places. Um, yeah, what are you making at Chelsea so far? And, and was that win a path on the right road after a, a difficult week? It's, I mean, it's 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 a win that if they hadn't have won it or if they'd have lost it, it would take us longer than 28 minutes to talk about it, wouldn't it? Basically, because it would have been another sign that they are in an absolute mess. Um, it's, I mean, it's just beating, it's beating the, the weakest, probably the weakest team in the Premier League at home. That's, that, that's what it is. And they should, I mean, they've got more than enough resources to make it, um, to make that a regular thing, to make that a normal thing. And that's what they need to get back to. You know, I mean, a, a win like that for most of the last few years just wouldn't have even registered, would it, on a on a, on a, on a Chelsea fan sort of mindset. So of course we're going to win, you know. But they'd have, they'd have turned up to that game and probably at half time when it was 0-0 and they'd have, they'd have been a little bit concerned, I thought. Um, so it's just a way, it's, I mean, the thing with them is you can't trust them so they, they can easily lose next week. Um so it's it's just a it's just a very routine win that the type of win that they should just get without much thought. Um, the fact that they've got it, yeah. I mean, we say six points off Europe. I mean, it's it is quite congested there, isn't it? You know, and and yeah, I need I I look at the top ten. So they've gone to tenth now. You say um, I look at the sort of the top ten, and it's it's pretty much the clubs that you expect to be there are there now, um, and and it is quite tight in there. Um, so yeah, a, a win. I mean, uh, and, and what happens when you when you are a, a club in in one of those sorts of positions is you all beat each other. So it, you know when it when it comes to it, they 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 have to win. I think they have to win these these games against those sides kind of immediately above them, the likes of West Ham. Um, you know, even even like uh, Newcastle, sort of in that in that mix, that Brighton. You know, they have to sort of clamber over those teams. I think that'll be their next their next step. Um, and wins like the one they got at the weekend will will do that. You know, goals for a couple of important players going forward in Palmer and and Jackson. You know, they're they're going to be very important to them. And uh, if if things are going to progress in the way they hope it does with with Pochettino, so so yeah, very very sort of standard victory and um, something to build on until the next time it goes wrong, possibly. <laughs> Yeah, they've got Newcastle in the midweek in the Carabao Cup, which I think is a, yeah. a really big game for both, really, because I think Newcastle being out the Champions League and, you know, they had a good run in the Carabao Cup last year, lost in the final. And Chelsea, it's probably their only chance of winning the trophy. I mean, probably the FA Cup as well, but they're in a good spot 
to win the Carabao Cup, especially with Manchester United out. I think Man City are out. I think, to be fair, Liverpool the only big boy left in it or are also still it. Liverpool play West Ham on uh, on Wednesday, so that'll be an interesting game. Yeah. yeah. Um, you got Everton in there as well still. Newcastle though, 3-0 win against Fulham. I feel like Fulham really self-sabotage against Newcastle. I remember the two games last year, they got a player sent off, I think, in the first minute last season at home and got beat 4-0 or 4-1. Last season at St. James's, if you remember, Mitrovic had a penalty and he double-kicked the ball and yeah, it got nil yeah, nil. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Newcastle went the other end and scored. This weekend, Raul Jimenez just decided, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, he did kind of pull out of it in the end, but, but he's, I, he's I've never like seen that. Mid-air, where he, he, I, I, like, it's, it, it's, I mean, he can pull out of something. Or, I mean, he was kind of like mid-air when he decided, oh, no, oh, hang on, I'm, I'm about to hit him. <laughs> and he just he just clattered into him. I thought it was quite funny. But it's not, it's um, as, as, as red cards go, it was on the comical side. He got. He had a funny red card once for Wolves as well. Do you remember at Man City where he got sent off twice? He got. He got. He got, he got booked twice in about a minute for um, just. I think he he just basically refused to get out of the way of the ball. And he, yeah, he was. He was. So yeah, he's got a bit of a daft red card in. Um, but it's a shame for Fulham because they. You know, they'd obviously had such a good few weeks uh, goal scoring wise. You know, they they got five, didn't they, at home to West Ham and at home to Forest. I think it was. They scored three at Anfield, so they they were on some incredible goal-scoring run. Um, and I think a few people, myself included, gave him a bit of a sniff going there. They gave him a chance. You know, they they they, um, they thought, well, you know, if, if it, they can keep it tight. We, we know Newcastle are kind of running on themes a little bit with all their injuries and, you know, the absolutely sort of devastation of going out of Europe in the way they did. Um, so, yeah, I, had, I sort of gave him a bit of a, a bit of a hope there, but then, uh, the striker goes and does that, and 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 Newcastle had a pretty easy day for a pretty easy day after that, didn't they? Um, but yeah, Fulham um, Fulham will be will be one of those teams. As I say, the top ten is is almost who you expect to be there at the minute, and Fulham are a side that are they could get in there, but they also will be perhaps looking over their shoulder a little bit. Well, at least we're not down down there with some of the other sides. So um, end of the day, a, a defeat away from Newcastle, it's not it's not it's not devastating for Fulham. For Newcastle, it was an important win because they needed to get sort of things back on track after after Europe. I mean, I saw some I saw some people trying to say, "Oh, um, it's actually better for them to go out entirely and not be in the Europa League." I disagree with that. I think I think the fans would have had a great time in the last stage of the Europa League. They could have easily got to a quarter final, semi final, um, final in Dublin this season. Imagine imagine what a great time they'd have had there. So I thought that was nonsense. There was, I mean, I saw a few people saying that. And so I think the club would have been quite low in terms of the way they went out. You know, given it was there for them, was it? They won the look. Um, it was there for them to to see it out and to lose it in the manner they did, just through a bit of bit of naivety and a bit of um, you know, as I say, a few players who who were injured. They have some more injuries, didn't they, in the first half at the weekend? So they are they are running a little bit on them. So it'd be interesting to see what they do for that um, that Chelsea game because, as you say, it's a big game for them. Uh, but there are a few players who are sort of being asked to to go and go and go again at the moment and they look like they're a bit struggling yeah we're interested to see how Fulham would have done with 11 men but I suppose we'll never know uh, last two, well the last game really to talk about is Everton defeated Burnley 2-0 pretty it's pretty simple really for a Premier League away game that it was very very comfortable Everton now wiped out the points deduction they're just they're on a hell of a run at the minute and Sean Dyche deserves a lot of credit and Burnley rooted at the bottom 
with Sheffield United, it's looking very, very concerning for them, especially when I think most people felt Burnley would actually have a decent season. I feel like prior to this season, everyone thought Burnley would probably be like 14th and, you know, sort of not comfortable, but out of it, you know, just, just about with the head above water, but it, it's not been like that. But what do you make of Everton wiping out the deduction and what, what do you make of Burnley's really, really poor season so far? I think Everton's been, yeah, Everton been brilliant the last few weeks. It's it's the sort of thing, you know, when, when the deduction happened and all the anger that came from it, I mean, as a couple of major Everton fans, you, start, you, you speak to them about it and I think a lot of us had this opinion of like, well, if you had to have a season where it happened, this is probably... Which is probably a good one because uh, you know you've got enough you've got enough there to move away from the relegation zone. But I think we all thought it was going to be more of a battle, uh, a sort of longer term battle than it has been. But they've just gone, they've just gone sort of full throttle at it, and they've got some brilliant home wins, haven't they, over Chelsea and over uh, over Newcastle. And then yeah, to go, I think looking at you know go, going to Burnley, I think maybe. There was a slight concern over it, so they were missing Branthwaite, the centre back. He's been he's had, a, he's had a really good season, and I think that was a, a sort of slight concern for a few of them going in. Um, but they just handled it. They handled it very well. You know, Sean Dyche knows all about Burnley. Obviously, he knows how to get that that crowd a bit concerned, perhaps, and how to turn or how it can turn maybe. And I I think with with Burnley, yeah, we 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 did we did probably think of the, that they would be. Bit better than they are. Um, company is committed to this playing this this way of football, which, whilst is admirable, I think can leave them vulnerable to, you know, a, a smart team like Everton, who who have, have run this race before many a time. So, um, yeah, they just look a bit short, and they, like I said, there's a little bit of naivety there, which, which now you'd probably look at. The three, so we, we were all saying sort of a month ago, weren't we? That three relegated sides will probably go. This is perhaps before the Everton decision. Everton have responded to that decision in a fantastic manner, pulled away. They're not going down. So you're then back on the three again. And now you'd say, of the three, Luton are probably the ones that look to have more about them. Um, and all the stuff that happened with them this weekend, I mean, you know, awful, like, awful really, but they, there's a character there and there's a, and, and perhaps again, what's happened could bond them even more. So they, they to me look the ones now who who you'd put more more faith in getting out of it if they do. Burnley just look as though they could be dragged under by it all. It just seems all a bit too hard for them. Um, and and it's interesting what they do with company because is hopefully they keep faith with him if they were to go down because he'd probably bring them back up again. Um, and then maybe he'd be better for the experience. So. Um, yeah, the games like I mean, games like that one are games when they needed to make an impact, and they just didn't. They did. It didn't really lay glove Everton. Did they? Everton were very comfortable winners. Yeah, I find it really irritating to be honest watching Burnley because I, I find philosophy managers to be the, the wrong sort of managers. You need to look at your resources, look at the league, look at the teams you're playing, and decide the best course of action for winning. And to me, Burnley have just went, well, we won the championship last year at a canter, so why should we change the way that we play? And I just think that's yeah. really, really, it's silly in a lot of ways of to not. Sorry, go on. You need to you need to learn, don't you? You need to, you know, there's, there's a reason why, all right, perhaps doesn't happen so much anymore, but for a period there, 
every team around the bottom would be hiring pretty much the same sort of manager, wouldn't they? The managers who've been there and done it before. And managers need to learn somewhere along the line. It happened with Bernie and, and Dice. Dice. Dice went down a couple of times. He stayed there. They brought them back. And I see no reason why if Burnley are to go down, why they'd want to do that, um, why they'd want to get rid of him because he he would be better for the experience, I think. And and maybe it's it's difficult, perhaps it's more difficult for him because he's come from such a winning environment and he was such a great player. Um, he's not used to scrapping down at the bottom of the league. Uh, he does need to get a bit more sort of streetwise, I think, and get them, just get them solid, get them working that big. So even... You know, the games they've won, I mean, when they beat Sheffield United, they, they thrashed them 5 0, didn't they? And it's like they're almost more likely to win a game like that than they had to scrap it out 1 0. Um, and and he just needs to learn a bit more about perhaps um, the sort of uglier side of the game, which he will probably, if he was sitting here, he'd probably tell us, well, that's not, that's not my philosophy. And, and, and that's, not, that's not what's got me this far in management. And that's, and that's to be commended. So, um, so yeah, I think. He will be better for the experience, whatever happens this season. Um, and he's, but you're just wanting to just wanting to see them kind of become a little bit, a little bit more streetwise in the way they approach some of these games. Because, like I say, Everton just looked just looked uh, streets ahead of them. Yeah, four straight clean sheets for Everton as well. So that that's the the difference, really, is that you talk about pragmatic yeah. wins and whatnot. Everton can keep clean sheets, win four games in a row by keeping four clean sheets. Burnley. Can't seem to keep a clean sheet for love no money. I remember that West Ham game the other week where they were one nil up in like the eighty eighth minute and West Ham scored two late goals at Turf Moor and yeah. won the game. And you're just like, you can't lose. You can't draw them games, but you can't lose them games. Anyway, we're out of time, Mark. We've, we've went actually over by about 10 minutes, but we're just having so much fun talking about the Premier League. Thanks for joining me this morning and thanks to everybody for listening.